0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. If you're new here, I am your host, Samantha Gladish. I'm an online nutritionist, weight loss coach, hormone fixer-upper, and a business strategist for health professionals and entrepreneurs. I wear many hats, and I'm assumed to be author. Guys, my book—it's going to be available in December. I'm so excited for it. And like I said, I wear many hats over here at Holistic Wellness because. I am damn passionate about many, many things. And so I find ways to integrate all of it into my life because it's truly what lights me up. And I hope that tuning into this podcast is going to light you up and maybe put a little bit of fire under your bootay to take charge of your health and your hormones. So thanks so much for being with me today. If you are in Canada, we actually just celebrated a three-day long weekend. I had a Fabulous weekend, it was so great to slow down, decompress, step away from the computer. It's always so important to have those healthy boundaries and you know, really make time for yourself and for your family and friends and the things that bring you the most joy in life. And so we spent some time entertaining friends on the weekend at our new house. It was so wonderful. We had a barbecue and I got to cook up and feed people, which is what I love doing. And uh, I just had a really great weekend. So I hope you guys did too. And if you spend time indulging, jing, which can often happen on long weekends, it is all good. My recommendations for getting back on track is to simply Hydrate. Make sure you're drinking three liters of water a day. That's so important. And you can add a little bit of sea salt in there and some fresh lemon or limes or even grapefruit. I even like adding cucumber and mint, fresh mint to my water. And it's just really hydrating and refreshing. So make sure you're getting in that water and incorporating some movement so that you can sweat because sweat is such a great way to release toxins which is exactly what we're talking about today on our podcast. I'm so excited that we're talking about obesogens, which is a topic we haven't dove into yet. And obesogens, they're lurking all over the place. And yes, they could be making you fat. They can have a direct impact on your weight as well as your hormones. And I've invited my friend, Josh Gitalis, to dive into this topic for us today we actually talk about a lot of things. So we dive into obesogens and toxins, how you can detox from these toxins and avoid them, and some amazing detox foods that you can incorporate to really help support your health and your body and your hormones. And then we dive into immune health and mushrooms. And Josh is always making and cooking up some delicious elixirs and making teas that I've had the pleasure of enjoying many times. And so we chat about that. And I also invite him to answer some of your questions, our community questions. So we dive into lots of things and you guys are going to learn a lot. And the best part is, Information that's shared today is information that you can implement right away to make a big change in your health and your body. So Josh Gitalis is a clinical nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner and runs a Toronto-based private practice with a worldwide client base. He's a recognized expert in integrative healthcare, merging the best of functional medicine and integrative therapeutics. As a leader in his field, Josh has taught clinical nutrition for several natural health colleges and runs the Functional Nutrition Certification Program. He is the first Canadian nutritionist to become an Institute for Functional Medicine Certified Practitioner. And I'm so excited to dive into today's episode. And Josh also runs a wonderful Functional Nutrition Certification Program, which we talk about on today's episode. And there is a link if you guys are interested to really dive further into Functional functional nutrition, whether you're a practitioner or whether you just want to take this knowledge and be able to integrate it in a deeper, more profound way with yourself and with your family, you can join his certification program. The link is in our show notes that you can find over on our website, holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 61. That's six one. And if you sign up through the link that we've got in the show notes, I am offering you guys a one hour private Business Consultation for all the practitioners who really want to up level their business with their functional nutrition training. I'm going to help you set the foundation to growing a successful brand and a business. So excited to help you do that. So again, the link for all of today's show notes is over on the website, holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 61. So let's dive into our episode with my good friend, Josh Gitalis. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the show. I am so happy you're here. It's about time I had you on my podcast.
1: (laughs) I'm so happy to be here.
0: (laughs) We've got so much to talk about today. And before we dive in, I would love it if you can share with our audience more about who you are and what you do.
1: Absolutely. I'm a clinical nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner. And I run a clinic here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, where we see people in person here in the clinic and also work with people worldwide over Skype and phone. I also run a functional nutrition certification program where practitioners and health enthusiasts can learn more and dive deeper into body systems and how the body works. And most importantly, how to bring the body back into balance.
0: I love it. So you wear many hats. It's wonderful. I do. And I know you deal with a lot of different symptoms and disease and issues and whatnot in your practice and something we are talking about today, which we haven't spoken about yet on the podcast. So I'm really excited about it is we're diving into obesogens, which is awesome. So I think the first place to start would be, what are they?
1: Right. So, you know, just from the name, I think most people can gather what they might do. Right. But they are chemicals that increase the amount of fat cells created in the body and also increase the amount of fat stored by the body. So they have this dual- activity. And as most people know, we have unlimited ability to make fat cells or to store fat. You know, we've all seen that show where they like are forklifting the 500 pound person out of the side of their apartment. Right. So if there's a chemical signaling for us to make more of this fat and to store more of it, it can become quite a problem. And these chemicals are everywhere and they are called obesogens and at least 60 have been identified to date. But I'm sure there's lots more out there that we haven't even identified as having this specific biochemical action, but are doing very similar things than the ones that we have identified out of the 80,000 chemicals that have been introduced into our environment over the past 100 years.
0: That's crazy, 80,000?
1: At least 80,000, yes. And there's a couple thousand introduced every single year. And the unfortunate thing about chemicals is that it's got this innocent until proven guilty mentality around it, right? Right. You know, companies are allowed to bring it into industry without it going through proper checks. And then this is sort of a story that we follow and have followed multiple times where the chemicals introduced, it's used in industry, it's brought into our environment, people then get exposed to it, then the canaries in the coal mine, as I call them, get sick from it first. And then they discover that it was the chemical that caused that issue. And then they go on and they sue and like figure it out and all that. And then eventually that chemical is pulled from industry or sometimes the company just gets a little slap on the wrist and is told to phase it out. So it's not even very strict regulations around that. You know, and we learned this with DDT. DDT was introduced in the 40s. It was sprayed everywhere. I'm sure many of you have seen pictures of like people dancing in the streets when DDT comes being sprayed in their neighborhoods. right? And then you know Rachel Carson wrote her amazing book, Silent Spring, and, and brought to light the fact that this was entering the waterways and really causing endocrine disruption, which we're going to talk a lot about today, For sure. in little marine animals. And that was having a similar effect on humans. That book was published in the 60s. And then finally, in the 70s, DDT was banned. But we still see it in people's bloodstream because it's what's called a persistent organic pollutant, meaning that it persists in the environment and in our bodies for quite a long time as our bodies and the environment have a decreased ability to clear it out, metabolize it and move it along in nature. So we learned that lesson with DDT. And now we're learning that lesson with lots of other chemicals. You know, we're we're currently we're learning it with glyphosate, the active chemical in Roundup. I mean, there was just a lawsuit. There was just a a huge, I'm sure you saw this in the news, the third lawsuit of Monsanto being fined for people getting cancer who are exposed to Roundup. Just a $2 billion payout to this couple who got leukemia. So we have to be vigilant when it comes to these chemicals.
0: Totally. I just actually shared that on my Insta stories today, the link to the Monsanto article. And I think there's something like 13,000 cases that are on trial right now because of it, which is a lot. So first of all, I didn't know that. yeah, I think it's 13,000 cases. And it's funny because like the other day we were just randomly walking in Canadian Tire and there it was, this whole shelf of Roundup. And it's like, you know, it's not something that I see regularly, but it was just this reminder of like, oh, right. This is what's being used and sold. And it just kind of reminded me of the amount of toxins that are being produced and sold and that people are using and so unaware of the detriment that they're causing. So I would love to dive into, specifically with obesogens, where are some unusual places that we might find these toxins?
1: Great question.
0: Or compounds?
1: Yeah, they're everywhere and people don't even realize they're being exposed to them. So we know that Teflon, for example, which is a PFOA, it's in that class of chemicals, it's an obesogen. So think about an individual who's trying to lose weight, yeah. who you know gets all these awesome vegetables and foods and everything, and then they're cooking all their meals on a Teflon pan. And every time they heat up that pan, it's off-gassing into their environment, they're breathing it in, and then it's sabotaging all their efforts to lose weight. I mean, it's just it's so backward. We also find a similar class of chemicals And things that have water repellents, right? So like Gore-Tex jackets, you know, I get served these ads on Instagram sometimes where they like advertise a shirt where you can like pour wine, you can like go to your meeting and pour wine on it and then like it doesn't even get dirty, you know? And those chemicals that are infused in the shirt that prevent that from happening are part of this class of chemicals called PFOAs that are endocrine disruptors. Scotchgard is another example. Mm. We also find that plasticizers, right, are endocrine disruptors. You know, a couple of examples are phthalates and bisphenol A, which, of course, has been given a lot of attention to in the past years. You know, you go into a lot of stores these days, and it's like BPA-free everything, right? But we know now that there's another chemical that's replacing it called BPS, which has very similar actions in terms of the negative effects. And these are chemicals that are used to make plastics soft and pliable. So we find that there's higher levels in softer plastics, like the reusable water bottles, and that leaches into whatever it's touching. So if it's water, it leaches into water. If it's food in plastic containers, it's leaching into that. And then we're consuming it and they're having endocrine disrupting effects.
0: So for the people that are listening and they're like, what do you mean by endocrine disrupting effects? Can you expand on that?
1: Absolutely. So... In our whole bloodstream, we have very small amounts, relatively speaking, of hormones. Okay, so I'll get back to that in a moment. But these chemicals mimic our endogenous hormones, endogenous meaning the ones we make in our body. So for example, bisphenol A and phthalates are very similar to estrogen in terms of their biochemical structure. And the problem is that they have an effect similar to estrogen but up to a thousand times more powerful than estrogens in terms of what it does in the body. So I think most people know that estrogen has been related to certain cancers like breast cancer and cervical cancer, ovarian right. cancer. Imagine an estrogen that's a thousand times more powerful. Right. And estrogen occurs in very, very small amounts. If you think about an Olympic size pool and putting one drop of estrogen in that pool, that's how much of that hormone we actually have in our bloodstream. So, you know, people look at a water bottle and they're like, oh, there's probably not much being leached into that water, but it's such an extremely small amount that makes the difference and creates those effects that, you know, you got to consider every possible source of these chemicals.
0: Right. That's pretty scary when you think about it in that way. It makes me like really second guess when you're like out on the run and you just need to grab water right and like spending that extra dollar or two to get the one that's in the glass bottle or something right so are there strategies that we can actually utilize to detox these out of our body
1: many strategies and that's the good news you know when i talk about toxins yes you first have to start with the doom and gloom right like you first yeah totally <laughs> to scare the crap out of yourself but then there is some light at the end of the tunnel which is nice to know you know the first thing is and the most important thing whenever we're talking about toxins is to detox your life. So get rid of anything that could be coming in to your temple known as the human body mm-hmm. before you start to detox it or else there's no point. Right. And I often refer to detoxification in the body as, as a dishwasher, right? Like if you think about a dishwasher in a restaurant, there's dirty dishes coming in and then there's the dishwasher washing them. And then there's the clean dishes on the other side. So that's what detoxification in your body is. And you can either have a really slow dishwasher or too many dishes coming in or both. So with detoxification, what I do with my clients and what I teach my students actually as well is how to increase the amount of dishwashers and also to decrease the amount of dirty dishes. So step one Love that. is to decrease those dirty dishes and that comes from chemicals in your environment. So, you know, getting rid of that Teflon, getting, you know, safe pans like stainless steel, ceramic, glass, Teflon, sorry, not Teflon, <laughs> titanium. <laughs> right.
0: Sorry, did you say cast iron?
1: I didn't yet, but that's also yeah. a great okay. one. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay, good. I'm like, I hope you saw something because that's what we use.
1: Yeah, also a really good one. Getting rid of all plastic as much as possible. Now, me and my wife, we talk about this all the time because it just drives us nuts how much plastic is used. And even though we try to avoid it as much as possible, it still creeps up in certain situations. So, for example, I was just talking with her about this the other day. You can't get a cauliflower that's not wrapped in plastic. Right. Right. Yep. Broccoli you can, which is nice. Yep. You know, we shop at a at a wonderful grocery store that has mostly organic produce right. and there's certain things that are never available out of plastic. Like they always have these like Brussels sprouts or like these French beans like always in plastic. Right. So, you know, that's kind of fine tuning, but you definitely want to get rid of any plastic containers in your home. You don't want food to touch plastic at all if possible. Even when we do get that type of stuff, we we take it out right away. You also want to make sure your cleaning products are actually clean. You know, the smell of clean is not pine salt or or like (laughs) lemon or bleach, right? The smell of clean is nothing. So, you know, you can clean most of your home just with water and maybe even with a little vinegar as well. Your, Your skincare products, that's probably one of the biggest areas where people really need to clean things up. And especially for women who apply way more skincare products for the most part (laughs) than men, you know, makeup and shampoos and soaps and creams and all that type of stuff have these endocrine disruptors in them unless they're clean. So step one is just getting all that bad stuff out. And there's so many good resources online now on where to look for that type of stuff. We have like a chemical inventory handout that we give our clients to kind of just go through their home and go through their life and make sure they're trying to eliminate as many of those as possible.
0: That's really, really great.
1: And of course, the other one for elimination is organic food, right? So, you know, these are all things that are in our environment, but one of the easiest ways for a toxin to make it into the body is orally, you know, if you're consuming it. So we need to, you know, make sure our food is as clean as possible. When I began practicing over 10 years ago, I still remember first learning about organic food, but then starting to actually work with people and thinking, am I going to tell them about organic food or not? Right. Like, is this a priority at this point in our protocol or do we need to work on something else? And most people didn't even know what it was. Like I had to educate them on what organic meant. And now of course it's everywhere. Right. And the need for it is a, is a lot, a lot higher as well. Right. So that's the, the coming into the body. And then, Once toxins are into the body, which everyone has some sort of body burden, it's impossible to avoid these things these days, we're thinking about ways to help move them through, help detox them and move them through. And we have what are called channels of elimination, ways we can get stuff from inside of the body to outside of the body. We have five of them. The bowel. Right, we want to poop every day. We've got the kidneys, so we want to pee every day, multiple times a day. We've got the lungs, so we actually breathe certain things out, and we've got the skin, in which we—that's—it's a very active tissue where it it can absorb stuff, but it can also get rid of lots of stuff, lots of fat-soluble toxins, and even some heavy metals. Like, it's really effective for eliminating cadmium. And then the one people always forget about is the mind. You know, we can have thoughts that are toxic. And really cause sickness in our body. And I think most people have experienced a situation where they need to get something off their shoulders, right? And they just right. feel better after. And there's also lots of great case studies where people, you know, get out of a relationship or quit a job or watch a lot of comedy and <laughs> whatever their health issue is, right. kind of goes into remission and clears up, interestingly enough. So we can optimize those five channels of elimination and we can also help. Are two internal cleansing systems, the liver and the, and the lymph, to do their job. Exercise and movement is really important for the lymph since it can't be pumped around the body. It's, the only way is through movement. It doesn't have a heart to do that. And with the liver, there's really great herbs and nutrients and supplements, but the most important thing is to eat a diet with tons of color. Amazing. That really fuels liver detoxification in a, in a remarkable way.
0: So what do you say to the person listening that's like, I don't like my vegetables. I don't want to eat broccoli. I don't want to eat these foods. You know, what do you say to that person? I'm sure you've dealt with this many times in your practice.
1: Yeah. So when someone says they don't like vegetables, that's just a sign they haven't eaten vegetables enough and, you know, learn to cook them in a few different ways that are really delicious. So what we do with people like that (laughs) is we start to introduce them in really easy ways. Like if you're making a smoothie, for example, you can throw so many good things in there, like a handful of spinach. Doesn't taste like vegetable-y when you throw it in a smoothie with like a banana and some berries and whatnot. So that's always a good start. And just finding some really delicious ways to use vegetables in their diet and even mix it into things. So, you know, if they're having eggs, again, it's really easy to kind of whisk in or mix in some chopped up spinach or some chopped up kale or arugula, which kind of wilts down, reduces, and you don't even notice it's there most of the time.
0: Right. Yeah. I always say to to my clients who say that to me, and I'm just like, you just haven't had them made and prepared for you in the right way. And so I mean
1: they haven't had your vegetables. Yeah,
0: totally. I don't know if
1: your audience knows, but (laughs) Sam is an amazing cook. Like her stuff's just delicious.
0: Oh thank you. You just need to cook for everyone. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) I do. And it's probably why I love feeding people so much because I really want to show them how delicious food can really be. And so that's why I love I love to feed people and cook for people. So I'm just so curious, you know, how did you become interested in this topic of obesogens and toxins? Like where did that really stem from?
1: Well, I'm always looking for what's upstream of people's main concern. Like what are the root causes? So, you know, when someone has a headache, it's not the headache that's the problem. It's what's causing the headache. Is it a food allergy? Is it dehydration? Is it attention? Is it a attention headache? Is it a B2 or B6 deficiency? Is it a magnesium deficiency? I mean, those are all root causes of a headache. When someone is overweight, the excess weight is not the problem. It's what came upstream of that. The excess weight is just a symptom of the problem. It's it's a way the body's saying, hey, you know, something's going on here. That's not so right. You got to change things up. So I'm always looking for those, the root causes and the, the missing pieces. And I've had clients come in that are eating all the right food. They're exercising their thyroid's been checked, you know, they've, right. they've looked at all the possible root causes, the big ones yep. that might be related to their excess weight, to their obesity. And again, my job is to find what other factors might be missed. And detoxification comes up again and again, because we all have that body burden as a possible factor in this situation where they need to detox. And as we start to detox them, the weight also starts to come off. Right. So I've seen that multiple times. So that's why I got so interested in this thing this thing called obesogens. Right. And how many people are out there, you know, at the gym every day trying to get their diet going, you know, stressed out by all this stuff that isn't working for them when they're missing when, you know, when they're using toxic products on their body first thing in the morning and putting on 160 chemicals on their skin before they leave the house, right. or are cleaning their house with like Lysol and Comet and all that other crap that we put in our in our environment, or are going to you know Starbucks and getting their coffee in a mug that has a plastic lid, where the steam precipitates off of it and then BPA falls into their drink and causes endocrine disruption. You yeah. know, so it becomes this uphill battle for these people where they're just missing this really really important piece that that can make a world of difference.
0: Absolutely. I know for me, one of the areas that I never really thought about was with my cutting boards. So we use a lot of wood cutting boards, but we also had plastic cutting boards. And then it just kind of occurred to me one day, like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. I'm cutting on this BPA, you know, this BPA plastic.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, you do your best and then you start to learn more and more. Yes. Yeah. My wife and I created a course, Healthy at Home, and it goes through every room in the in the house. We've ran it a couple of times, showing people where all those toxins are. And the reason why we put this course together is because when we moved into our own home, right, we discovered all this. We were already in the health field for years and we discovered all these things we had no idea were problems. Right, And we're still finding little things that that are problems that we had no idea. Like I know most people now know that receipt paper, and I'm sure this will be news to some people, receipt paper has BPA on it. I know. When I found that out, I'm like, you know, how can I avoid this stuff? It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, it's about doing as much as you can and constantly learning and trying to find where these things are are hiding, And at the same time, practicing detoxification practices to keep these things moving through and out of the body.
0: For sure. So is there an area in the home that you feel is like the most important place that somebody should start with in terms of detoxing and eliminating chemicals or just do it all?
1: <laughs> no, yes. Yes. I would say two areas. I would say like the, my number one go-to would be the bedroom because we spend most of our time there, right? Like a third of our life is spent in our bed. Yeah. So there's many ways to detox the bedroom open the window a little bit, have some plants in it, get rid of the cell phones, get rid of the, the electric clocks, get the blinds closed as much as possible, wear a sleep mask. Those are some basic ones. And then there's a bigger ticket item, which I think would make a huge difference for a lot of people, which is getting a natural mattress made out of latex or, yes. or something organic and not synthetic. Right. Because those mattresses, they create a problem in two ways. One, they off-gas a lot of them have flame retardants and just off gas from whatever synthetic material was used. So you're like lying on that thing and breathing it on for like eight hours every single day. Yep. And the other thing is, which a lot of people don't realize, even after it off gases fully, is that they slowly are disintegrating and creating toxic dust in your environment that you breathe in. So investing in a good organic mattress, which There's more companies doing it now and they've come down a bit in prices, I think is one of the most important things. And then the other place, of course, is the kitchen. And we've talked about lots of things with food containers and and dishes and and cutlery and all that kind of stuff.
0: Awesome. Yeah. We just bought an organic latex mattress and it will get delivered in a couple of weeks. I'm so excited for
1: it. Nice. Yeah.
0: It's going to be really, really great. So what are your thoughts on infrared sauna for detoxing and sweating?
1: I love it. It's one of the most well-researched ways to detox. They've done you know, intense detoxification protocols with firefighters from all over, but also specifically from the World Trade Center that were there, trying to get this stuff out through very intense protocols. Right. But you, you, know, you might guess that firefighters are exposed to a lot of flame retardants as well. Yes. So this is a wonderful way to get them out. But for the layperson, infrared saunas are amazing for getting out all sorts of fat soluble compounds and even water soluble compounds. One of the best and only ways to get rid of cadmium really effectively is through your sweat. So sweating's not as good for things like lead and mercury, but for other heavy metals, like I believe nickel, cadmium, it's really, really effective to get that stuff out. And you do lose a little bit of minerals, so you want to remineralize, make sure you're drinking lots of water, maybe take a multi-mineral vitamin or supplement or a green juice before or after is a right. good idea. And there's also a lot of other amazing benefits of infrared sauna for the cardiovascular system, for neurological health. Yeah, so I'm a huge fan.
0: Yeah, I know you guys have one, and we got one recently. We just have to put it together. So,
1: <laughs> oh, nice.
0: Yeah, we went yeah. and we like it's all in pieces right now. We kind of look at it like, are we going to be able to figure out how to put <laughs> this back together? I'm sure we'll figure out. Gayton's really great with that. So, continuing with this detox conversation, I would love to know what some of your favorite detox foods are.
1: Mm, great question. Good topic to cover. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I mean, when I'm again, when I'm working with someone, it's we, we try to tailor it as specific as possible. So there's different ones that are really good for different situations. A couple that I really like for women and hormone detoxification is one is is raspberries. Raspberries have a an ingredient in them called elagic acid. And elagic acid is very helpful at improving the detoxification pathway for estrogen. The pathway is called glucuronidation, and it can increase it by up to 75%. So I I love, love raspberries and they're easy to use. Often you can find them in in the frozen section all year round. The other one is flaxseed. Really, really helpful. It's got chemicals in there that help with detoxification. It also has phyto plant nutrients in there, phytonutrients that are similar to estrogen. They're called phytoestrogens. But unfortunately, people get a little bit mixed up and scared by that term. Yes. And think, oh my God, there's estrogens in flax. It, they don't work like that at all. And what they do is they can actually take up the parking space of some stronger estrogens, like the ones in your environment, and blunt the messaging of that estrogen. It's like, You know, if you think about a parking space at at your home or in the parking lot, only one car can sit in that parking space. And if there's more of the weaker estrogens, like from the flax, they take up those parking spaces and create a lesser response, which is a really, really good thing for the cell. So there's a couple great ones for hormone detoxification. One of the most powerful ones for just all around detoxification is broccoli sprouts, which gram for gram is 30 times more powerful in terms of some of the nutrients it has than just broccoli alone. So in in our home right now, I just started soaking another batch. We've got like a rotation of broccoli spreads happening all the time. I just finished some, we have another batch soaking. They're super easy to make. They're very inexpensive to buy because you just buy the seeds and then spread them yourself. And their nutrition is just amazing. They've got things like indole 3 carbonyl that really help to increase detoxification in the liver and give you those phytonutrients and antioxidants that are so needed for that process.
0: Amazing. I love them. Do you put them in your salads? I'm sure people are like, how would I include them?
1: Yeah, you can put them in a smoothie. We add them to salads. We get these nice wraps at the grocery store that are just made out of vegetables. They're called Rops, wraps, w r a p s. Awesome. We make wraps and we throw a load of those in with some other stuff. I, you know, I had some with it. Like I put some on the top of my eggs today for lunch. So there's so many great ways to uh, consume those.
0: Amazing, yeah. And flaxseed is one of my favorites.
1: Oh, for sure. And it's
0: super cheap, yeah.
1: right? Like there's all these like superfoods coming out. Right. But it's like the original superfood.
0: Totally. <laughs> for sure. We forget about the importance of the inexpensive, you know, f- fruits and veggies that have been around forever. And here we go spending all our money on all these fancy supplements and detox foods when it's like, no, flax seeds, broccoli, right? Don't forget about them.
1: Always, yeah. And then another really great one, Super powerful. Cilantro and parsley, very high in chlorophyll. Cilantro has been shown to help bind up heavy metals. Your
0: wife hates cilantro, doesn't she?
1: <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm the one. I'm oh, the one. To you?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Megan.
1: But when I find that when I have it like like just raw, yep. I can uh, there's that effect, you know, that I'm just like a cilantro hater. But when I when we make a juice out of it, yeah, or blend it up in a pesto or something, there must be some sort of Reaction that's happening where enzymes are mixing together and it's right. breaking down whatever component I really dislike. So that's how I eat it.
0: That's so funny. Okay. So you eat it raw.
1: No, I don't eat it. Oh, sorry. You well, don't. I do eat it raw, but okay. like in a, in a pesto or like a smoothie or a juice. Juice as well. It's amazing.
0: Okay. Awesome. So raspberries, flaxseed, broccoli sprouts, and cilantro. Those are your yeah. your top go tos. Okay. I love it. All right. I want to dive into mushrooms for a second. Because I know I've been lucky enough to try some of your mushroom tea blends and elixirs and things you have simmering on your stove. And so I would love to just talk about some of these blends that you're making at home and these teas that you're making. Why are you using mushrooms? Like, why are they so powerful? Yeah, let's talk about that.
1: Great. Yeah, they are amazing organisms to begin with. If anyone's ever Read the work or followed the work of Paul Stanitz, They they can understand that mushrooms can actually save the world. But
0: <laughs> I'm going have to
1: read that. <laughs> are amazing immunomodulators. So they have these specific carbohydrates in them, known as beta glucans, that educate the immune system. It's like you know sending in a teacher, you know, to a class that's really not doing so well. Like sending in a really amazing teacher and getting them on board and getting them to uh, catch up with all their work.
0: You have the best analogies.
1: <laughs>
0: they're so good.
1: Thank you. So yeah, mushrooms are are great for that. They're, they're immunomodulators, not immunostimulators. So people who have like depressed immune system where they're getting a lot of infections, they're sick all the time, they feel run down, can take them to kind of get a boost. But also people who are overactive with their immune system. So they might have an autoimmune disease can take them to help calm down the immune system and get that modulatory effect, which is so powerful. And then there's like specific mushrooms for specific effects. So, you know, something that I like, that I take on a regular basis is called lion's mane, which is amazing for brain health because it stimulates neurogenesis. It stimulates the growth of neural connections, which I think we can all benefit from. Absolutely. What other mushrooms, you know, in terms of specific, we've got, you know, shaga and reishi are really amazing for the immune system. Reishi helps to calm us down a little bit. There's certain components of shiitake that have been shown to be amazing and maitake to show that that showed to have been really active against cancer in terms of their immune effect as well.
0: I see you oftentimes making like tea blends or boiling them on your stove. Like what is it that you're doing with them And, and maybe giving some tips for our listeners how they can use them at home?
1: absolutely we live in toronto ontario canada and we are fortunate with an amazing ecosystem around us so we just need to drive a couple hours to get into the wilderness and we have some amazing mushrooms growing in our area so a couple that i found are shaga amazing which is pretty easy to identify and same with reishi mushroom so we've collected our own up here in northern ontario and simply one of the easiest ways is through to prepare them is through what's called a decoction so you just break off a piece of the mushroom throw it in a pot of water and just boil the crap out of it for at least <laughs> right. 20 30 minutes or even more i did a, a co-op at an in, herbal shop back when i was in school and they made this amazing mushroom formula and they were boiling their mushrooms for overnight right Crazy. so that's that's like a serious really highly concentrated decoction. So that's one way to do it. There's other really accessible ways to consume mushrooms as well out there. There's powders or extracts I really like, where basically the company, or is making it, has already boiled them, and then they're dehydrating that liquid that's created from it. So it becomes right. this like soluble extract, which is really nice. And that's actually what I use. I know you mentioned in my elixir. Yes. an elixir blend. So I use a number of extracts in there. We have cordyceps is one of them. In terms of in the mushroom category, yeah, cordyceps is great for energy. It's
0: delicious. I've had your elixir many, many times. I love that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay, awesome. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I've got some questions that have come in from our community, and I get all kinds of questions every day, every week, and I just kind of keep a pile and a list of all of them to get to on the episodes. And so I thought. I'm going to ask Josh today what some of these questions and help him help me answer some of these questions. So question number one, what are your best strategies for supporting your immune system and avoiding the cold or flu?
1: So the first thing we, I mean, something we just talked about are mushrooms in terms of supplements, but the most important thing for the immune system and I know everyone listening is going to be a little bit disappointed because it's, <laughs> it's not that sexy, is <laughs> sleep. I was waiting for it. <laughs> It's sleep. Yeah. I mean, these are what I call the fundamentals, right? It doesn't matter how many mushroom extracts you take, tinctures, teas, whatever. If you're not getting totally. enough sleep, your immune system is going to be in the pits. Yep. You know, they've done studies where, well, they take a group of people, one group gets sleep deprived. less than six hours of sleep, the other group gets to sleep as long as they want. And then they give them vaccinations. And the group that doesn't get enough sleep, a lot of them don't make antibodies to the vaccination. So they check the titers later on, like in the weeks following to see if they had an immune response to that vaccine. And they don't, Mm -hmm. for the most part, whereas the people who slept really well have the immune response that's expected with that type of intervention. So that's just a good clinical <laughs> indication of you know, how the immune system might be depressed when we're sleeping. And I think most people understand that when they're sleep-deprived, they're more prone to colds and infections and whatnot. So sleep is the number one thing. Love it. Then after that, diet, of course, is so important. Getting rid of sugar. Sugar is a huge drain on our immune system. We know that a couple teaspoons of of sugar can depress the immune system for up to five hours. Crazy. So think about those people that are on what we call the sad diet, the standard American diet, having their frosted flakes in the morning, there they get their first dose of sugar, five hours, it's depressed. And then at lunch, they have their dessert or whatever, their snack or chocolate bar with their, their lunch, depress another five hours. And then at dinner, they go get their fast food with a Coke, depress another five hours, right? So like for 15 hours in a 24-hour period, their immune system's just in the pits. Crazy. And then people are wondering why cancer rates are skyrocketing and, and immune issues like that. So yeah, diet would obviously be another great thing. And then after we've nailed the fundamentals—diet, sleep, water, exercise—exercise is also really important. Then there's there are some really great supplements and sexier things that people like to buy. (laughs) I know I love learn about and whatnot that are amazing for the immune system, like the mushrooms we talked about, herbs like astragalus, adaptogens like ashwagandha. In more of an uh, acute situation, echinacea and golden seal are superb in boosting the immune system. Vitamin C has been shown to decrease the length of a cold or the flu when we start taking it. And people can take like huge doses of that up to what I call bowel tolerance. So yeah, there's a lot of amazing stuff out there.
0: Awesome. Okay. You gave us some great strategies there. And I can definitely say from my own personal experience with autoimmune Hashimoto's, sleep was the number one thing that I introduced outside of obviously having a lot of other things in place, but it was the number one thing that I really gave a priority to and it just, it changed everything for me. So Mm -hmm. when I hear people telling me like, you need to get up at 5am and like, I'm like, no, that's not me. I need my sleeve (laughs) working on my immune system. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay. Question number two, I'm confused about juicing. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it having a negative effect on my blood sugar? I never know what to believe.
1: Well, usually when people ask a question in that format, it's because there are different sides to the story.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) So there's good juice and there's not so good juice, right? Like if I was juicing huge amounts of oranges every day, that might be too high in sugar. Yeah, I'd be getting a lot of good vitamin C, but it just might be too much for my body in terms of the amounts of carbohydrates I'd be exposed to. So what I usually recommend with juicing for people, and I do believe that juicing is a really amazing way to get huge amount of nutrients in, is to start with the green vegetables that are very low in sugar, like celery, cucumber, kale, broccoli stems, which most people throw out. Right, Get those in the juicer, throw in some parsley or cilantro. And then once you have that really nice green juice base, add something in to make it palatable so you actually enjoy it. And that could take the form of a for me, all I need is like a quarter or half an apple. A lime is really cool because it's very low in sugar, but it really adds a nice flavor to a juice or like add like a half an orange and just make it right, you know, digestible and, and enjoyable. So you come back to it again.
0: For sure. Okay. Awesome. So make it mostly veggies, add in a little bit of sweetness. Perfect. Okay. Question number three. My father and grandfather both had Alzheimer's. How can I best support my health and avoid having this become my destiny?
1: Right. And I love that you said avoid that becoming my destiny because it shows also that you can appreciate the fact that it isn't your destiny because that is in your genetic lineage. Right. There is something called the ApoE4 gene. And if you have a double ApoE4 gene, you have a much higher risk of getting Alzheimer's up to 15 to 20 times. I actually personally have one gene for that, which increases my risk by about five times. And there's many things that you can do for it. So there's, I'll talk a little bit about it, but there's a great book called The End of Alzheimer's by Dale Bredesen. Mm -hmm. And he talks about something, you know, he says people get a colonoscopy. He talks about something called the cognoscopy where you know you get the colonoscopy to check if, if your colon's okay and if you're prone to getting colon cancer, but the Cognoscopy is a number of different checks to make sure you're on the right path for good cognitive health for life. And he started doing this many, many years ago with, well, not many, many years ago, actually the mid, you know, like uh, about 2010. And he started with 10 of his patients, making sure that 36 factors were optimized. And he showed that Alzheimer's disease can actually be reversed. So in nine of the 10 patients in, a, in that first published study, there was a reversal of Alzheimer's. One, I don't think, responded as, as well as the others. But he was changing these 36 different factors, which is a lot of what we're talking about today. Right. Sleep, vitamin D, exercise, making sure there's low, your inflammatory compounds in your blood are within range. And again, these 36 items he chose. And at first, people laughed at him. Because they're like, how could you put 36 factors to the rigors of science? Right. But then he went on and he's like, this is functional medicine. This is how you do it. You can't isolate one thing. And he then went on and did this, these 36 factors with 100 people and showed again that you can halt, reverse, or slow Alzheimer's disease. And now he's gone on to write a fantastic book and teach other practitioners how to do these things. But these are just fundamental functional nutrition, functional medicine principles right. that he, he put to use. So by following all those things, you can definitely prevent Alzheimer's disease and in some cases reverse or even halt its progression.
0: That's amazing. We'll be sure to link up that book in the show notes too so people can go grab that. Okay, question number four, what is worse, gluten or dairy?
1: What a great (laughs) question. (laughs) Handing this one to you, Josh. So if I had to decide 100%, I would say gluten for sure. Because we know now from a few studies published one in 2015 in the journal nutrition, and a couple others that have shown that every single person that consumes gluten gets damage to their gut gets a leaky gut. They did the study with control people with non celiac gluten sensitivity and people with celiac. And of course, the people with celiac are going to get leaky gut from it for sure. non celiac gluten sensitivity, questionable, but they all did. But the control group all got leaky gut as well. So the idea is that people who don't manifest symptoms or come down with some serious issues have the ability to heal their gut between feedings of the gluten if they're not consuming it very quickly. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And perhaps they're not as genetically susceptible and they don't have... Other factors, like maybe dysbiosis or or other things that could really exacerbate that exposure, and then they're fine with it. So when I look at anything with my clients, it's like, is it moving them towards health or away from health? So if there's any question there that it might be moving them away from health, it's eliminated, and gluten definitely falls under that category. Dairy, on the other hand, Some people can eat it, no problem. There's many different types of dairy. There's like drinking glasses of milk and then there's consuming (laughs) organic grass-fed cheese, right, which is a whole other can of worms. Totally. Yeah, definitely gluten in that situation.
0: Awesome. All right, and the last question, I feel bloated after my meals, regardless of what I eat. Beans bloat me, chicken bloats me, cooked or raw veggies bloat me. What can I do to fix this?
1: So it's actually not the food that's probably bloating that individual. Interestingly enough, it's the bacteria or the microorganisms in their gut, which outnumber us 10 to one that is eating that food as it goes down and then creating gases that create the gas and bloating. So that individual would need to look at maybe doing a functional stool test There's a really great one called the GI map, so she can look for a practitioner that can do that, to actually see how many of the good guys are in there, how many of the bad guys are in there, if there's any parasites, if there's any fungal organisms, if there's H. pylori, if there's any of this imbalance that might be taking place. Stool tests like that also look at how well you're digesting food, how well your pancreas is making enzymes, and a number of other factors. But it's important to realize that it's actually the bacteria, the microorganisms that are doing that and not the food itself, which is a bit of a paradigm shift for a lot of people. If they go to a conventional medical doctor, they usually just look for the big ones like E. coli, C. diff, like the stuff that can kill you. And they're also using lab techniques that try to culture the organism, which, you know, by the time it makes it out of the stool, a lot of these things are anaerobic. And they die or yeah, they die when they're exposed to oxygen and you can't really culture them. So a lot of the functional labs these days are using a certain type of testing, which looks at the DNA rather than the actual organism.
0: Really cool. Yeah. The GI map test is epic. We will (laughs) link that up in our show notes. And my personal question for you is if you can share more about your personal food philosophy.
1: Mhm. So I'm a, a Joshitarian and I really <laughs> I love it. I'm going to re- I'm going to write a book on it and I'll sell about one copy to myself. To yourself.
0: <laughs> or maybe other Joshes will buy it.
1: Yeah, maybe, exactly. There's probably quite a few if we're talking about the whole world, but I'm a Joshitarian meaning that I eat what's right for me in that moment at that time based on what my body needs. And that's exactly how I work with my clients is that I don't subscribe to any one specific dogma. I don't believe in labels when it comes to food because then people get bogged down by that label and it can prevent them from healing. I know, and I'm sure you know, you know people who are following certain dogmatic dietary principles and compromising their health because of that. Yep. So with me, it's, you know, I'm, I'm looking to see exactly what's necessary to get that person up what I call the slope of health towards health and sometimes they have to do maybe what they don't fully believe in for the moment until they see the results. Totally. And so someone's diet could take on many different forms. Even for myself, I'm always experimenting. I'm always trying different things. If I'm working out really hard, I might need a little bit more protein. If I'm doing more of a fasting phase or like, you know, a little bit less calories. If I'm in a hotter climate, I might eat a little bit more fruit. Like it really depends on what I'm, into at that time and what I'm what I'm doing. But I'm always trying to fine-tune a little bit and figure out what works best for me.
0: Awesome. Yes, I love that. And I think it's important to note for the people listening, you know, they they hear you speak, they hear me speak, and they think that we have this perfect diet and we know exactly, you know, what to eat, what not to eat. And for people to recognize that this has been for me a 20 plus year journey as it has been for you. Right. And it's always about tweaking and tuning in and just figuring out what works for you and recognizing that we're also bio-individual.
1: Right. And I think what helps a lot of people too, who might be confused with all the different diets out there is that, you know, if you take all the books and all the diets out there and look for what's in common with them, with the good ones, they basically just all have no crap, right? Like no processed foods, right. none of the white devils, as I call them, the white sugar, the white salt, white fat, and, <laughs> and white grains. And they just have a ton of like good stuff like vegetables and whole foods, right? So if you're eating vegan right. or you're eating paleo, you're still eating and right. want to eat a ton of vegetables, which is really where all the power lies. And when in doubt, just eat broccoli.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Good to know. Yeah. That's the take home. Eat broccoli. I love it. So before I let you go, I would love it if you can share a little bit about your functional nutrition certification program. Tell us what that's about.
1: Right. So I've been running this for a number of years. I've been teaching courses out of it for you know almost eight years now, but I have a functional nutrition certification program, which is a dive into many different topics. We talk about supplements and food for healing. We get into digestion and the physiology around that and what goes wrong and how to get that back into balance. We have a course on hormones and endocrinology, mental health and neurology. We have one on specifically pertain to our discussion today on detoxification and biotransformation. And then we actually have a few levels. So for people who might just you know be health enthusiasts and want to get more information, we have a level for them. And then for practitioners, we have more advanced levels that include some workshops on functional lab testing, blood testing, and case studies, and even some one-on-one time with me with the advanced level.
0: Cool. I love that. And then you currently have some master classes going on right now. Tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah, so right now I have what's called the functional nutrition masterclass happening it's four classes. We've already run one class, but a little tip to your listeners is that at some point they'll be able to catch up on that class. We'll be providing it for them in in an email to uh, watch and listen to, to catch up on. But um, we still have three more left. The next one is going to be on how to create lasting change. Very powerful for anyone who's working with people and even for yourself on learning how you can change. The third one, is my top 10 therapeutic foods, some that I use often in my clinical practice, some of which we spoke about today. And then the last session will be all about your questions. So we're gonna have an open, what I call whiteboard session, where people can ask any questions they want and I'll answer that. And that's my functional nutrition masterclass, which people can sign up at joshgitaliscom slash masterclass, or they could just sign up for my newsletter, which is probably the better route and they'll be notified with all the updates and everything regarding that.
0: Great. Well, we will be sure to share the link for that in our show notes and everybody can go sign up and that is free. So that's awesome. Yeah. It is. Amazing. Well, I always learned so much from you, Josh. I'm so grateful that you were here with us today sharing your incredible insights and your knowledge and that incredible brain of yours. Thank you so much. I know Gayton and I, every time we're in like a nutrition discussion, I'm always like, I don't know, (laughs) just just text Josh and ask him. (laughs) So thank you so much for being with us today. Where can our audience connect with you and find you online?
1: Oh, and well, thanks for having me. It was fun. They can find all of my information at joshgitalis.com. Everything's there, and also connect with me on Instagram, which is at Josh Gitalis. Which I I just love Instagram.
0: I know it's so fun. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, and I am sure we will have you back. And there's so much more to dive into. So thank you. You're welcome. What a great episode with Josh. I really hope you guys learned a lot. I would love to hear from you over on Instagram at Holistic Wellness Foodie, that's where you can find me. I wanna know what you are going to implement. What did you learn from today's episode that maybe was a bit of an aha for you? I'd love to hear it. Find me over on Instagram at Holistic Wellness Foodie and also connect with Josh on Instagram at Josh Gitalis. And you can find Josh over on his website, joshgitalis.com. And for all of today's show notes, you can find that on our website, holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 61. And again, be sure to check out his Functional Nutrition Certification Program. If you're interested to dive deeper into this and you want to do the training, click the link in our show notes. And if you do sign up through that link, I'm going to coach you for a one hour business session. It's a strategy session to really help you build your brand and your business and truly implement your new functional training certification. Josh is so wonderful and he's incredibly knowledgeable. And like I said, every time Gaytan and I are always discussing something nutrition or health related, and then we come to a standstill, I'm always like, just text Josh. He's got the answer. And he always does He's so wonderful and I'm really grateful to be able to have him as a friend and to also be able to have his knowledge kind of at my fingertips. And if you join his certification program, you're going to have him at your fingertips too. Thanks everybody for tuning in today. I really appreciate you being here. If you haven't left us a rating and review over on iTunes or whichever podcast platform you listen to us on, we would greatly appreciate that. It really helps our podcast to get seen, to get recognized, and it really helps us over here at Holistic Wellness know that we're making an impact, we're making a difference, and it's really helping you guys to live your best life. So we would love it if you can leave us a rating and a review. It means so, so much to us and we can help more women and heal more women around the world. Thanks everybody for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful and incredible week and I'll connect with you guys next week.